Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome to this special edition of the State of Recruiting, uh, your sometimes weekly, sometimes special edition podcast uh, on Horns 24-7 for Recruiting. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Sandish. Uh, and we're coming to you for, I would say, uh, it's a special edition episode. We were talking about possibly recording this regardless of the news that happened uh, tonight, Friday night, as we're recording uh, but we did get some big news on top of the fact that it is junior day this weekend. So before we get into that, Hudson, how's it going? Doing good, Mike. Ready to talk some ball and some junior day. Vibes are high. Yeah, it's uh, it's time to turn that calendar. Like, it is it is so weird. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's made it the last two years where it's like the month of January just doesn't matter for us, really. Uh, used to, you know, it would be like, okay, we've signed the bulk of the class, but there's still six, seven guys out there in January uh, that you've got to follow all the way till February. It's literally us just following Deuce Robinson. Um, and I think we've been pretty clear on, we don't, you know, I don't think Texas is in the lead for Deuce Robinson. So like at this point, it's, you know, it's transfers and it's turning the page to 24. So uh, it, it's kind of made our jobs uh, boring in the in the month of January. Yeah, and honestly, I, I love it. And you're getting you're making sure that the class of 2024 gets their shine now, and it kind of perfectly leads into Junior Day. Um, but before we get into Junior Day, Mike, let's talk about uh, Ad Mitchell, the former Georgia wide receiver, committing to Texas, signing and roll like it's a done deal. He starts classes on Monday. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a little bit on the board this week, but a name that we had heard prior to the transfer portal opening and saying, Hey, this guy goes in, we think Texas is going to be a possible destination for him. Um, Of course he's early on. I do think we kind of teased it a bunch too. Yeah. I think people are, um, people keep asking like, is this the guy you teased? And we're like, yes. And then it's like, I thought that was Barry and Brown. I was like, somebody may have teased Barry and Brown. This is the name we were kind of watching for. 
Um, so it was kind of a name that fell out of our, our consciousness for a while. And then in the last week or two really started to rev up. Um, and we, you know, heard, heard a lot of things about it. It was actually funny because um, one night uh, I heard something about it and meant to call you and tell you, and then just didn't. And then the next night you called me and we're like, Hey, if I got something on, on AD Mitchell, I'm like, Oh yeah, I got something last night too. So, um, you know, just kind of the way it goes. He is a, um, he, he is a, Houston guy originally played his early high school ball at uh, Rich Point in Fort Bend County. Uh, in fact, I believe his Twitter is Mo City Mitch. So, so that's uh, such a good handle. Yeah, it's it's a great one. He's um, I I wish uh, I just kind of wish somebody would work in a Mo City Don reference with him. You know, kind of like a it's it's too good to leave alone. But obviously, Texas getting a major talent at wide receiver, a guy that, like Jalen Milrow, has been injured a lot, banged up a lot throughout his career, but when he's played has made... Jalen Catalan? I'm sorry, Jalen Catalan. It's late. Uh, Like Jalen Catalan, with apologies to Jalen Milrow, who has been very healthy. Um, Jalen Catalan, who's been banged up, but when he has played, has made some really big plays in really big games. I mean... Catching a touchdown pass in every playoff game that you've uh, stepped foot in uh, four straight, pretty good. Like, Not in, bad at all. And I think one thing I wrote, when he first entered the portal, or maybe right before he entered the portal, the timeline gets a little uh, fuzzy, but something I wrote is that the tape is so much better than the production. If you look at his production, because he started um, – I think halfway through his true freshman year and really ramped up as the season went along and then got injured this past season. I believe he only has about 30 catches, but considering the level of competition, his own physical build at six foot four, 190 pounds and the top end gear, plus the just quick twitch that he has, it's kind of a, uh, it's a stud get for Texas. And I think it elevates their wide receiver room and really kind of eases some of the pressure off of Isaiah Nay or coming back off that significant knee injury. And to be completely honest, it opens up Texas to maybe use a little bit of 10 personnel or get, get comfortable in 11 personnel. And you, you have all of these athletes that you can put, put on the field for Quinn Ewers to work with and maybe ease the load a little bit on Jonathan Brooks and, you know, Keelan Robinson, Cedric Baxter in his freshman year, we think is going to get a lot of run. I love the pickup. I think this is savvy transfer portal usage. And like you kind of hinted at, it's kind of the offensive version of Jalen Catalan, where if he's fully healthy, I think the ceiling is a potential All-American or All-Conference player. But similar to how we've kind of cautioned people on Catalan, you know, we need to see it first. It is a consideration you have to make. The, the thing that I found funny about this was like, you know, f- first of all, with everything that I like, I don't personally think Xavier Worthy is going anywhere, but with everything he's kind of pulled this off season, just kind of hinting, you never know. And it's nice to have some, um, some protection against that. It's also nice for Texas to get the, the bigger body guy on the outside that they were wanting in this class. But like people I talked to were like, well, why would Texas want him? They've got enough receivers. And I'm just, that take puzzles me. I mean, I thought I think Casey Kane has done a really good job developing, but when you're getting into these games down the stretch and you're like, okay, Casey Kane is like 
kind of the number two guy at this point or the number three guy. It's like, that's not where you want your, your roster talent to be. I think Casey Kane is a fine fourth or fifth option, but I don't think you want him to be in your top three. And I think Sark directly said that, like we struggled to find a third receiver at times. I think a, a couple things off the top of my head. I love that this probably frees up Xavier Worthy to move around, play a little bit more in the slot matchup hunt instead of having to always be the outside receiver. With Jordan Whittington also kind of in that role, to me, it's a home run fit. And, you know, even if what you mentioned about Xavier Worthy kind of flirting with the disaster a little bit is true. Two things. I like the fact that when, you know, A.D. Mitchell posted his commitment, Xavier Worthy, I think within a minute, had it posted on his own Instagram story and was happy about it. And I thought that was a really good team leader move. And then also another thing is that, like, with um, Mitchell in general, I just think that, I don't know, I'm I'm losing my train of thought a little bit, Mike, but I'm just pumped about the A.D. Mitchell get. I think it's big time and... Heading into spring ball, it's going to be really interesting to see where the depth chart kind of shakes out considering the three new entrants that I think are all top 100 prospects, according to us, and uh, Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, and DeAndre Moore as well. Yeah, I think that this is a group that is finally, you know, coming together the way it should. But I had a source in Texas tell me, you know, last year, hey, we're probably just going to recruit the best transfer receiver in the portal every year, because why wouldn't you, you know, at this point. And that's just competition breeding more competition. It seems like if you looked at position value in the portal, by and large, the wide receiver position is always the one where it's like, okay, there's a ton of dudes. Like you can get difference makers at the position in the portal. Texas hasn't really struck there yet. You know, like they had a giant hall, that ended rather predictably based on what we knew. <laughs> um, you know, I thought Tariq Milton was fine, but not, not, you know, nothing crazy good. And so, you know, I just think and that, Isaiah um, Nayor got hurt. And Isaiah Nayor got hurt. I think Isaiah Nayor, obviously, he has got a chance to, to change that narrative this year as well. But uh, all in all, you know, I, this is again in December when the portal opened and we did the portal show and everybody yeah. was like, why is this going so slow? Texas doesn't seem to be involved with everybody. You get, to the, end, you get to the end of the portal window and you've got an all American or an all SEC safety. I can't remember if Catalan was all American or not. Certainly all SEC. He was a, definitely a preseason all American and a freshman all American. Yeah. Uh, you've got a incredibly intriguing Wide receiver with playoff experience. You got a punter. Um, you know, you got Gavin Holmes, who was a starter for a really dang good <laughs> ACC team. I remembered yeah. my point too on the top on the notion that, like, well, we already have guys in the room. Guess what? Georgia just won a freaking national championship. They didn't want to lose AD Mitchell, but they added Levitt from Missouri and another portal wide receiver. The elite teams are always looking to stack talent. Like if people have to leave the program because there's too many good players ahead of them, awesome, pro- awesome problem. Yeah. The goal is to make the bottom of your roster so competitive that it enriches everything from the way up because you've stacked yeah. so much depth that what you're churning at the bottom of the roster, you know, used to be your 83rd, 84th, 85th guy, 
was probably a guy that couldn't just had no business being there when you're getting more towards uh, that area. And those guys are okay. Those are good players, but they just can't get on the field here for whatever reason. That's when your roster is getting into playoff form. And if anybody thinks, you know, we didn't do a national championship show or anything, but if you want to see what a national championship roster looks like versus a roster that's just kind of recruited all right, go back and watch the national championship game. I mean, credit to TCU for getting the, as far as they did, but that thing ding, ended ding, up ding. exactly the way we thought it would based on yep. – in college football is the most uh, – we're kind of going into tangents here. We should probably move on. But I love it, though. College football is the most predictable sport in the world because you can literally see how a, a team builds a roster – from recruiting, and for, like we say all the time, for the stars don't matter, guys, then how come all the guys that sign top classes win national championships? And and I think the, I think a lot of the common retorts to that is like, well, then why hasn't Texas been better? And that's, you know, a lot of internal problems. But when you look at the, the talent that Georgia, Alabama, like it's the most predictable sport for the teams that absolutely crush recruiting. Everything yeah. below that, yeah, you get the App State's beating Texas A&M's and the various other, you know, yeah, TCU up. making it to the national title despite not having a top 20 class. I mean, that was an incredible story. But in but, the end, you see what happens when that roster goes up against the other roster. It's, it's Exactly. And it's so not competitive. For a soccer reference, it essentially would be like a tiny team from Belgium making a shock run to the UEFA Champions League and then you have to play Real Madrid or Barcelona and yeah. you get crushed what's the 65 to whatever equivalent I get in soccer I guess 11 like six six nothing or something yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah it's so and, and I think to people who have that question about Texas is yeah they have recruited a high level yeah I think that they've they've had some highly ranked classes there are years where Texas is in the top five. I, I think last year was a great example of this, actually. Texas was a top five class. And if you looked at one, two, and three in that group, they were in another dimension from what four and five were. Yeah. I mean, like what AM, I think it was AM, Alabama, and either Georgia or Ohio State had put together in last year's class was you, you looked at it and you're like, okay, these are top five classes, but four and five are nowhere close to what one, two, and three are. And I'll just say this. I think you can make the same argument this year, but Texas is in that elite group. This 23 class is probably one of my favorites that they've ever signed. Because when you look at the top 10 or 11, you know, 12 players, they're all studs, like genuine guys that if they are impacting football games next year, I would not be surprised. Where when we looked at last year's roster, Mike, or sorry, recruiting class, Mike, I think it was pretty clear that we looked at Kelvin Banks as kind of the guy that would start right away, maybe Devon Campbell, even though we liked a lot of the guys in that class as well. But like, yeah, it feels like it's it's they have a bunch of Kelvin Banks types. Yes, and it's moving in a much better direction. I think that um, when you looked at like the 2018 class, for instance, it was a very highly rated class, but it was a lot of skill. You know, it was six or seven defensive backs. It was three or four receivers. It was running backs. It was you you weren't getting those different make, difference makers in the trenches and, and things like that. So, again, we're on a tangent. What we should probably do is take a break and then transition and talk a little bit about the upcoming Junior Day. So let's take a break and hear from those sponsors. 
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, Hudson, it is Junior Day weekend. Are you ready to turn the page to 2024? Let's do it. It seems like we never get a break, right? Like, I <laughs> I mean, I usually take one in early February after signing day, but like, and these Junior Days used to be into February, so you could do that. And you're like, okay. We'll do signing day, we'll take the break, mentally transition, and then it's on to junior day. And now they're coming earlier and earlier. So now um, this weekend, it's always good. I, I look back on junior days fondly for a, a couple different reasons. I think you can look back at them and you could kind of see when when people start to separate um, with some of these groups. Like I'm, I'm thinking back to last year's junior day when we talked to Connor Stroh and his family outside of the – Stadium, and you could tell Texas was making it like a big push there. I'm thinking of uh, uh, a couple of years ago. You know, you, you always get the get the idea of like where they're surging early, where they're struggling early. Like I think last year we talked to Colton Vosick, and it was like, oh yeah, this is going to take a lot of work. This isn't going to be this isn't going to be easy for Texas when everybody thought it was. The other thing that's always funny to me, though, too, is like there's guys that come to junior day. They, you know, you see them on campus. They're getting the royal treatment, and then with like in two months, it's like, yeah, we're not really talking to that guy anymore. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of a reminder that this is merely the starting line, really, for the 24 class, even though they've already got three commits, and that what the board looks like now will look incredibly different this time next year. And I think it's worth mentioning too. Uh, you kind of hit on it, Mike. This is not the uh, junior day of the Mac Brown era where it's like, we know who our guys are. Let's get commitments. Let's get it done. This is more of a building blocks event. So one of the common questions we get asked is, hey, if you had to set an over under on commits, what would it be? But this weekend, it would probably be like 0.5 because yeah. there's not a guy to where we look at it and are thinking, yeah, he's going to pull the trigger once he gets on campus. This is more creating those relationships with the family to where when it's time for official visit season, you know that you're in a good spot. You know what the family likes. You can kind of tailor make all of these um, connections. And the good thing for the Longhorns is, Mike, they have an absolutely loaded list of guys and really had a flurry tonight of People from around the country in the 24, 25, and 26 classes, they're going to be on campus at schools like uh, from schools like Modern Day, IMG Academy, um, throughout the state of Texas. Some of the best programs like Galena Park, North Shore, Duncanville probably is going to be in attendance to set like just about everything that I think Texas could have done to get a, you know, star studded recruiting list. I think they have especially considering you don't have the, you know, headliner like Arch recruitment, uh, sorry, the Arch Manning kind of peer recruiting guys to go on visits. I'm I'm pumped about it. Obviously, you mentioned on the board earlier, but for those who uh, aren't on the board, you should subscribe to Horns 24-7. But again, 
Mike uh, mentioned earlier in the week, he's not going to be covering the junior day. It'll be me and two other uh, people, but we should be loaded. And by the time you're listening to this, we should have some exciting news too on a potential surprise visitor, not for us, but probably for other people, surprise visitor on campus. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to kind of what you said. This is a chance to build a foundation for recruitment. And a lot of that building has already started, but I think when you really look at the way a recruitment breaks down going from senior, uh, junior to senior year, it's like, okay, get them in for junior day, really set the hook with that family, get them to commit to come back for a spring unofficial visit, maybe for the spring game or for spring practice at some point. From there, you set your official visit, and from there, then you can go on and push for the commitment. Those are the building blocks you have to put in place, and the, and the junior day is always the important one. I remember last year um, – do you remember uh, the O-lineman telling us that Flood had kind of separated them from everybody and just treated them as a group together? They didn't go around with the rest of the big group. He treated them as an O-line group and kind of had the four or five guys he really wanted in that group. I think it was, I want to say Kojo, Ian Reed, uh, Chapman, Chapman, uh, Stroh, and, and, you know, I think I, I don't remember if Harris Sewell was there or not, but anyways, he had the guys that he wanted that were there. And then, you know, we were told at that time, like they just make such a good O-line pitch. That's the kind of things you'll see. Um, Hudson mentioned it. I won't be there. I will be handling uh, some personal issues this weekend. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say issues. I've said it a couple of times. That sounds bad. It's not bad. Um, it's just some personal stuff. I've got to, my wife and I have to uh, have to take care of. Uh, in our life, and, and hopefully I'll be able to talk about it a little more later. But um, Hudson is going to do a great job. We'll have, of course, coverage from the day uh, on Twitter, on the Horn 24-7 message board, um, and then we'll have lots of stuff afterwards as well. Absolutely. I think something else, Mike, that's interesting, this is a big offer event for this staff. It hasn't always been that way. Yes. Tom Herman, I think that a lot of times for junior days, you'd invite all these kids up there and kids would be expecting offers. And then only four would be sent out. And it was a little bit confusing. If memory serves last year, I want to say we got close to 20 offers being extended. So that's something that we'll be on the lookout for. But at the same time, there were kids in this current Texas class that went to this event, didn't get offered, but eventually through building trust with the staff, eventually got the offer and committed. Trevor Goosby is an example that comes to mind uh, right off the top of my head. And I think maybe, um, I think there was another one too. I can't remember. I don't think Jelani McDonald was at this event, but I believe he attended a different Texas recruiting event, didn't get offered, but eventually committed to Texas and is now one of the premier players in their class. It is interesting the way to see the way like different coaches treat junior days. Like Mac Brown, it was like, hey, hey, we're gonna we're gonna invite thirty kids, and I'm gonna get commitments from seventeen of them before the day is over. And then Herman's was like, we're gonna invite basically all the kids we offered, and then we're gonna invite all their backup plans. So then, in case they don't work out, we can call them down the stretch, which is a great idea. It's something you'll see Sark do as well. But Sark does use this opportunity like uh, to really throw some offers out. And I think that's kind of where we should start with this. We've got a list up on Horns 24-7 with a lot of names. I wrote something this morning on, um, you know, just kind of offer candidates at this thing. Who are, I don't know, a couple of guys. I'll start, I guess, since I wrote the, wrote the article and I've already got some names down. 
But um, there's two offensive linemen that I would expect to get offered. Um, I think you're going to steal one of mine. Well, okay, then I'll just take one and you take the other. How about that? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Bennett Warren from uh, – these are, by the way, two offensive linemen. Both have uh, last names, two last names as their name. Uh, Bennett Warren, uh, a massive hulking offensive lineman from Fort Bend Christian Academy, plays against not the best competition but dominates it, uh, is listed at like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 320, something like that. And I've seen Bennett in person. <laughs> I, I know that you mentioned this in the article too, Mike, and I know that Kyle Flood's kind of talked to the media that, hey, I'm not just only going after big humans. They have to check some boxes. But when you just look at ben, Bennett Warren's size, it makes sense for a Kyle Flood offer candidate. Also, Kyle's Kyle's done some things that makes me think that that's not all the way true. For sure. But, um, I, hey, it's worked out for him. We cannot question Kyle Flood's methods to this point. No, there will be no Kyle Flood slander allowed anywhere. Like, I I will absolutely be the police for anybody slandering. I think you and I have been pretty firm on, like, hey, Kyle Flood and Jeff Choate have earned their way in this world. You know, let them them cook. I think Deshard Choice probably falls in that that old pitch. Hey, we'll get to Deshard Choice later. He's bringing in some absolute studs. Yeah, but Warren is a guy, big, physical, can move, love his basketball tape. He's a guy that I think if he walks away without an offer, I would be shocked. Um, so, like, honestly shocked on uh, on Saturday. Hudson, what about yours? Tell us about the other guy who you kind of alerted me to, and I watched him last night and thought, oh, my God. I think Ellis Davis from Prosper might end up being a – I think he could end up being a top 247 candidate, maybe even higher. We've talked previously about how well-coached Prosper is, especially the offensive line. And I think Texas fans got a taste of that with, you know, Jake Majors gaining weight, getting to that college level. And to me, really having a great 2022 season, the former Prosper Eagle. And I think Ellis Davis could be next up. He's six foot seven, 260 pounds. So while he's not the hulking size that a Bennett Warren, Peyton Kirkland, Andre Kojo is, that doesn't always you know, dissuade Kyle Flood from extending the offer. You look at Trevor Goosby and Jaden Chapman, more the more prototypical high school offensive line builds. I think that Ellis Davis is a stud. You mentioned Blake Frazier as well. That's another prospect that I think is really intriguing from Austin Vandegrift. Michigan connections there um, with Frazier. I think his dad was Tom Brady's center. If, yeah. that, if memory serves. It's going to be a tough win for anybody outside of Michigan, I think. For sure. But which is funny, too, because if you just look at it, it would, you know, similar to Ian Reed last year where it's, hey, it's a Vandegrift uh, local kid, but a little bit uh, tougher than people may think. Can I mention one more name that you had on your list in uh, Marcus Boswell from Austin Lake Travis? That's somebody that I identified early last season. His dad, I believe, was a national champion indoor and outdoor high jumper at Texas and eventually represented Canada in the Olympics. And that athletic pedigree shows up on tape for him. And I think he works with um, Donnie Bags, the former Texas A&M linebacker, who is one of our uh, you know, personal friends. And I think one of the best one of the better trainers. Yeah, yeah. He's he's awesome at what he does. Uh, Talk about a guy that just goes about his work, does really good work training, doesn't hog the spotlight. You'd hardly know he's there. It's about his kids. Can't say enough about about Donnie. Uh, yes, he does work with him because Donnie was uh, talking my ear off about him 
at uh, the last time I saw him at a game. So, um, you know, I had seen him early in the year, wasn't super impressed with him, but uh, I cut on the film yesterday when I when I put that article together. And, you know, film looks really good. You know, he's, he's really productive. Obviously, he's got the athletic background. Um, I think is interesting. Uh, can I give you another name we got tonight that I think could get an offer? I, it's hard to say without a wide receiver coach if any receivers get an offer at this point. But – uh, could our boy Taz Williams be be on offer watch this weekend? Potentially. If for those who are unfamiliar, Taz Williams, a 25 wide receiver from Red Oak. I watched multiple times this season. Absolutely electric player. I was going to mention this later. You know, no better time than the present. Mike, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how wide receiver potential offers happen or don't happen, considering there's been no official word on a coach in that spot since Vernon Marion left for uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they treat that. Now I would guess Sark is just going to be like, well, if I like this guy, we're going to offer him regardless. But um, Taz was a guy that I saw multiple times last spring and summer, absolutely loved, told you about him. Then you got to see him in season a couple times oh, yeah. and he checked some boxes there. And by the way, just, People always ask us, like, hey, who are your favorite kids in the state just to, like, deal with it? Taz is absolutely, regardless of class, one of the sweeter kids in the world. And and I think that comes from his father, too, Big Taz, Taz Williams Sr., who is one of the kindest parents that we've had the privilege to interact with. Just the type of stuff that really makes this job, you know, worth doing. Yeah, I mean, we deal with a lot of the inverse, so it's, it's always nice when we get – uh, the easy ones to deal with, and those the the Williams family is is awesome. So, um, okay, any uh, let's talk about some of the elites coming in. Um, Can we go to Tashard Choice and the fact that he might bring in the I think will bring in the number one running back in the in the class of twenty twenty four in IMG Academy's Jarrett Gibson. Oh, and then Mike, the number one running back in the class of twenty twenty five in modern days, uh, Jordan Davison. Like. <laughs> Who is who is incredible? I saw Jordan Davison twice as a freshman. Um, I am very close with some people who are very close with him. Uh, so I've been talking about Jordan Davison for like two and a half years now. It feels like, and people are like, "When is this kid going to emerge?" Well, he's emerged, um, and he is one of the top running backs in the country. And look, Texas has got they're in it with him too. You know they're. You know, last summer we were told by a source that, hey, don't be surprised if Texas ends up really high on Jarrett Gibson's list. And I'm like, who's Jarrett Gibson? I look him up. He's the number one running back in the country in 24 and a five-star. And uh, start digging around. And sure enough, you know, Deshard Choice has got him there. A year after going into Florida and winning Cedric Baxter. uh, I mean, he's kind of proving to be that elite national recruiter that, and I think a lot of times guys get tied up in, well, why is it this, you know, four-star kid from West Texas getting recruited by Texas at running back? And it's like, well, yeah, there's a lot of good running backs in the state, but I think Deshar Choice feels like he can go anywhere in the nation and get a win. I I, I don't know if this is maybe impolite to say or whatever, but, when Stan Drayton left Texas, there was a part of me that was very worried considering he recruited Bijan Robinson to Texas, one of my favorite Longhorns of all time, right? And had a lot of skins on the wall, kind of had that elephant hunter persona, right? 
but they upgraded with Tashard Choice. And one of the new things that I've been saying is anytime I like a coach, I'm saying that they should get the Jimbo contract. Like Jerome Tang, the head basketball coach at Kansas State, Jimbo contract him. That's the those are the words that come to mind when I'm thinking about Tashard Choice. Texas should do everything in their power to make sure that he is part of this staff for as long as Steve Sarkeesian's in Austin. Just cannot say enough kind things. In a year where there was some instability with Ruben Owens being a wild card, him grabbing Cedric Baxter as major, and then following it up with essentially targeting the next two best um, running backs is amazing. Let's not even forget the fact that isn't Taylor Tatum from Longview the number two running back in the country for uh, 2024? Yeah, and we'll be on campus as well. And he'll be on campus as well. And I think considering the baseball pedigree of Tatum, Texas would be a really intriguing option. Yeah, I think Michigan is is an early favorite for him, and there's a couple of other schools, but Texas could be there if they if they choose to really push. I do think, too, aside from running backs, King Joseph Edwards, who's one of the top overall players in 24 uh, from the state of Georgia, from Buford High School, is coming to Texas largely because he and Tashar Choice have a good relationship. So not only is he going – nationally and getting these big name running backs he's also an asset just recruiting anybody in the state of georgia absolutely and that was something that people used to complain a little bit with stan drayton right is that he wasn't that volume recruiter and i think choice has kind of stepped up even not only just in general during his time at texas but with the instability with no wide receiver coach i think him and sark both have and jeff banks honestly have done a good job of making sure that you know that didn't hurt them in recruitments with micah hudson freddie dubose all of those guys that we know are you know key targets in the 2024 class yeah i think you got to give him like uh, after this year probably like a run game coordinator title or absolutely uh, whatever whatever it takes pay him a little more you know just keep putting titles on him keep him as long as you can because somebody's going to he's either going to excel to the point where somebody wants him as a head coach Bingo. or he's going to be that lifelong type of like ace recruiter you have on your staff and you know that's, that's not you know alabama georgia those types of schools will be coming after him at some point I have another elite name for you that I'm excited to see on campus, and that's North Shore 2025 corner Devin Sanchez, who I think probably is going to be either cornerback one or close to it in that class. Somebody that when we showed up to the junior uh, elite bash, I believe it was called last year, everything we heard immediately from practice was like, hey, this Sanchez kid at North Shore was locking everybody up, even though he at the time was two years younger than most of the competition against some of the elite players across the country was really just getting whatever he wanted and clamping everybody. I'm extremely excited to see Devin Sanchez. It was like, yeah, he's the next one. Um, And he definitely looks the part uh, when you just size him up. Speaking of cornerback one, Kobe Black, the top player in the state in 2024, will be on campus. And now Kobe Black comes to campus with uh, Trey Wisner, who played at at, uh, Connolly with him, and Jelani McDonald, who played plays, still plays basketball with him. Both signed to Texas. How big? uh, You know, I I would I I would think that helps Texas a little bit in the pursuit of the state's top player in 24. 
Big time, Mike. And Kobe Black really checks every single box. We know that Texas loves those long corners. That's exactly what him and Devin Sanchez are. And then here's another name. I think Leonard Moore is going to be on campus from Round Rock, and that's a six foot two corner that I think could be a guy they look at to offer in that class. He just picked up Notre Dame. He has a lot of other national programs looking at him. I think that academics are going to be a big thing in his recruitment. And I I loved his junior tape and I'm excited to see him as well. It's just, again, when we start rattling these names off, right, it starts to get to the point to where I'm worried the podcast is going to turn into a two hour one, even though before recording, we said we're only going to do 30 minutes because they just have so many guys on campus that are intriguing. Yeah. um, I'll tell you guys uh, that, a guy that's that confirmed on Twitter tonight. Um, and by the way, like, this is the thing. We put these lists together, right? And it's like we ask a bunch of kids, and I kind of almost hate doing the list because if you ask kids two weeks out, they're like, yeah, I don't know, thinking about it. You ask them a week out, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, but then by Wednesday it could change to not or whatever. And then on Friday, the day before, everybody starts tweeting it out. Like, we really should just put the list out Friday night before the junior day. Um, but Daniel Cruz, I know is a priority for the staff, uh, the, the offensive lineman from Richland. He is a guy that I I think the staff really likes and is really sees as an impact center prospect. And they, they don't have a lot of true centers in the past uh, couple of classes. That's a guy that I, I think Texas will really, uh, you know, kind of put the, put, put everything on for and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Daniel Cruz technically has an offer yet, even though he it, has been. I, I'm pretty sure he does. Am I? Go ahead. I'll I'll check it. Oh, he does. He does. He got one. Yeah. He got one last June. For some reason, I viewed it as a visit photo instead. Um, but yeah, Daniel Cruz absolutely a big priority, which is what I was going to say. If they haven't offered, that seems odd because everything we've heard from behind the scenes is that he's kind of their guy that they see sliding in after Cole Hudson leaves for the NFL. Because more than likely, Cole Hudson will eventually shift from guard to center. Yeah, and I think they've got some candidates. I think Cole Robertson could play center. He's or, or Connor Robertson. I mean, um, he's been in that mix this year. Uh, but yeah, I think that. Um, We've got uh, just a ton of, of names. Anything – I mean, I think we've kind of hit on a lot of them. Justin Can I Williams. circle back to running back real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Cedric Baxter just uh, tweeted that Jarrett Gibson hit my phone. So – Not n- a nothing, bad host to have. I was about to say, there's nothing better than getting hosted by somebody from your state that decided to uh, – take his talents to the 40 acres. So that makes me really happy seeing Baxter already working on uh, Jarrett Gibson. Yeah. So um, let me hit linebackers real quick. Cause I don't think we've talked a ton about that. Um, we had, I don't remember. We have Ty Anthony Smith on our, on our uh, list, but, but I believe you had had a note on that. Exactly. By the time that people are listening to this, I'll have updated the article on the board. Ty Anthony Smith's going to go to Texas A&M. I still love Texas in this recruitment alongside LSU, but one of those things where he's seen Texas quite a bit and Texas A&M extended the offer and uh, to visit campus and, you know, he's going to check them out. So Ty Anthony Smith from Jasper won't be on campus, should be at Texas A&M, but one of his seven on seven teammates and close friends from Southeast Texas and Brock Jackson from Lumberton will be 
on the 40 acres. And I think is somebody that I'm kind of monitoring for, um, for an offer as well, just considering he kind of fits that Jack edge role where he's more bulked up and is probably a better run fitter than pass rusher right now. But I could see even growing into maybe a defensive lineman long-term. He's just a physically impressive prospect. I know the staff loves Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, Peyton Pierce is another guy from Allen or from Lovejoy. And then uh, Justin Williams from uh, Conroe Oak Ridge is a guy they love as well. We know that, you know, linebacker numbers can be a little tight after what they did exactly. uh, in this past cycle. But I think if they could get in on any of the three guys we just mentioned, either Pierce or Smith or, or Justin Williams, they would love to have any of those guys on board. I think you're looking at probably at most a two, maybe three man class, but um, you know, those are, those are good problems to have. So uh, yeah, some big names for sure. It, uh, anybody else it, you want to hit on before we get out of here? I have a few more. You spoke about Conroe Oak Ridge's Justin Williams. His teammate, uh, Joseph Jonah Ajani, is a defensive lineman that I think could absolutely get an offer. He just picked up USC, and I believe a few more schools are hot on him. I think that's a really savvy play to get him on campus because that's a player to me. You look up in six months, and he's a top 150 guy in the country. I, our friend Tim Verghese identified him to me earlier this fall, and I, I think that he's a stud and then we can't, uh, you know, do this preview without talking about the leader of the 2024 class in Trey Owens. Oh, yeah. Coming to campus. Fans should love this. If you haven't check, uh, checked out Trey Owens' Twitter, at, I think it's at HTX underscore Owens. He stopped by Matt's El Rancho uh, before the junior day, which should make him a fan favorite. I mean, come on. And he is really looks like embracing that role of being the leader of this class right now, um, which it, it is a we didn't talk about this with Trey Owens committed. It is a different dynamic in a lot of ways exactly. when you have an in-state quarterback commit, because like Malik Murphy, for as much as he did and would call guys, it was like, OK, but he's out there in California. None of us have ever met him. Uh, you know, even Arch Manning, like he had his own influence, but he was not around a ton. Whereas Trey Owens is going to be a guy that I think is probably going to be in Austin every week for games. Um, you know, every time the doors are open for a visit, I would bet he's there. And he's going to be a guy that at these camps is trying to rally guys to their cause. So I think he's already kind of embracing that now. Um, and, and speaking about quarterbacks, somebody that I think that uh... – Kyle Ward, especially the South Oak Cliff defensive coordinator, mentioned as one of the best guys that he uh, he's he played, uh, I guess, coached against, was Sawyer Anderson from Dallas Parish Episcopal uh, in the 2025 class. So that's an intriguing one. And then my guy, uh, yeah, um, I was I was with Ward last week and I asked him about him, and he said that guy's for real. Exactly. Um, so that's an intriguing guy in the 25 class, but I can't not mention Columbus 2025 Adam Schobel, who will also be on campus. I'm pumped that he's going to be there. I think he's probably the most underrated 25 in the country. I'm a little bit shocked that people have been slow on offers from him. Maybe it's that they think that TCU's just a lot considering his dad and uncles all played there, but that's somebody I'm excited to see on the 40 acres tomorrow as well. All right. Um, well, we'll have full coverage. Uh, Hudson will be running the show, running the point uh, for Horns 24-7. And uh, we, we're going to bring out some of our young talent 
uh, for this event. It's always, guys, it's always a wild experience. Um, I would say that for those of you who are starving for info and are going to be constantly hitting us up with what's going on, understand that this thing gets over in the afternoon, evening, and then it's about grabbing interviews from there. It's a hectic time. Half the time, you know, they're, they're, it's wherever they're coming out of the building, you got to chase them down. So bear with us, have some patience, and we'll have uh, lots of great coverage for you. Anything else you want to get uh, before we get out of here, Hudson? Vibes are high and it should be fun. I'm I'm really excited. All right. Uh follow Hudson, of course, two four at two four seven Hudson on Twitter. Um we'll uh we'll tweet out some other handles tomorrow of the other guys that'll be there so you can uh you can follow them as well and, and their social. Uh I guess we could say Tommy Arsh is gonna be there. Tommy's uh our new intern on the site, and uh, we're we're very excited to have him. Uh, a longtime friend of ours, and we've been talking about getting this internship together for like a year and a half. And so excited to finally have him on board. I thought he's done some already some good video stuff with you, uh, previewing this junior day, talking about Amy Mitchell. Um, and so I think uh, Tommy's going to get his feet wet and then and learn a little bit. Yeah, no better introductory uh, recruiting event than, you know, borderline 100 kids swarming you and having to get interviews from, you know, 50 of the most high profile guys in the country. It'll be fun for Tommy. Yeah, it'll be fun for everybody involved. Um, so as you're uh, as you're preparing for junior day, or preparing to follow this, we're going to have this out in the morning. Hope you guys can listen and uh, enjoy everything. Uh, for Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach. We will talk to you guys maybe next week. <laughs>